Hello everyone, I'm Colin Ellis and for 30 years I was a permanent employee of other people's cultures. What I wanted to know more than anything else during that time was how to build a great culture myself. And so I wrote a book called Culture Fix, which is the world's first how-to guide for building great workplace culture. And in this, the Culture Makers podcast, I get industry leaders from around the world to expand on the ideas that I wrote about in the book and get them to share actionable things that you can do to create a great place to work yourself. And remember, listening is good, but action is better. Today I'm joined by Bianca Ilibasic, who is the Chief Transformation Officer and the Chief Operating Officer for Manulife Insurance based in Malaysia. In Bianca's role, she gets to do loads of cool stuff. uh, And a big part of that is building a strong culture that enables her people to be the best versions of themselves. How great is that? Uh, She's got a fantastic track record in getting stuff done, which I'm going to get her to share now. Uh, Hello, Bianca. Hi, how are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. So you're in... You're in Kuala Lumpur right now? I am. Yes, I am uh, entombed in the house in Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> Everyone else. <laughs> but, but Kuala Lumpur's not home, though, is it? Where's home originally? Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne, Australia. And so kind of where did your career, where did your journey start, Bianca? What, what did you do at university? What do you have aspirations? And then kind of how did you find yourself in this transformation and chief operating officer role? That's a, that's a big question. <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, I've lived in a few places. So before that, I, I spent um, a couple of years before starting in insurance, a couple of years in London. So I did the London thing like a lot of Australians back then did before coming back after London and working out, oh, what do I do I want to do with my life? I don't, I don't really know. So I ended up in insurance and surprisingly, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, and I ended up working in strategy. And so my first few years in strategy and insurance were fantastic. And I learned so much uh, about, you know, how to get things done on a very large scale. The work was really interesting. We did very things that sound very sexy, like, you know, mergers, divestments, strategic planning. But I guess there was one night I was sitting there, Colin, you would relate to this, right? I had this aha moment one night when I was sitting at my desk. It was late. I was alone. I had tickets to a Radiohead concert and I was really trying to get the work done, but I realized it wasn't going to get it done. So I missed out seeing Radiohead because I was sitting alone at my desk and I realized something in my life has to change. Oh my God. Wait a minute. So (laughs) if if, if anybody takes anything from this podcast, it's never miss a Radiohead concert. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I thought, okay, I need to do something that, you know, gives me a bit more balance and allows me to do other things. And, you know, strategy was great, but I also wanted to stop writing about the things that were happening and be part of the team that made it happen so that we could say, you know, we did that, we built that because that's where I saw the excitement as being. So that's where I got into projects and I spent a lot of time in projects in Melbourne. And then like many others, I got my opportunity to do a short-term stint uh, starting up a program in Hong Kong. Uh, And I thought, wow, this is going to be exciting for a few months. But eventually that few months turned into 18 months. And so (laughs) when they tried to bring me back 18 months later, actually, I quit my job in Australia. 
um, because the variety and the breadth of projects in Hong Kong was unbeatable. And actually, I love that pace. I love trying to get a lot done in a short space of time. And it's it's a it's a bit of a drug, isn't it? Projects. I don't know whether you found this. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and obviously strategy is very very important in terms of kind of where we're going as a you know as an organisation, what it is that we want to achieve, and all of that great stuff. For me personally, when I when I got into projects, Bianca, I'm interested to see if it was the same for you. As soon as I started delivering stuff and the challenges that you faced with that, and you're in around large groups of people, I was like, oh, I love this. Yes, exactly. It's that adrenaline. Like you get this adrenaline hit in the peaks and troughs of a project. Like there's nothing that beats that. You have all of these people around you that are going through that same cycle, you know, and you form such close bonds with the people around you in getting it done. So, you know, I mean, I, I love projects. I, I love them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, what year, so what year was this? So you were in Hong Kong, you decided to stay. So, so you left AXA at that point, did you? Yeah, I left AXA. So that must have been, I got to Hong Kong in 2009, so 2010. I must have left AXA and then um, joined, you know, I've spent a lot of time in insurance with other insurers in Hong Kong, mainly in regional office roles, right? But the last four years I've spent with Manulife. And look, I'll be honest, I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid straight away. Like I really felt like I was coming home. Um, it was a place where without exception, they gave me the resources that I needed to do the things that I could do really well. So whether it's money, good people, autonomy, um, the freedom to be able to build against a vision and always they sent me new challenges. So that's kind of how I've ended up here in Malaysia. And, <laughs> so and my next new challenge. Which is great, you know, and certainly in my uh, short experience of working for myself, what I found with insurance companies is that they very much put their money where their mouth is, is they want to build great culture, but then they actually give people the time and the money and the resources to do it. Is that, is that for that? Certainly you'll have seen that in your life. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And where we started versus where we are right now as an organization, you know, we were in a, we were, I like to say, a sleeping giant, you know, four years ago. And in the last four years, we've really proven the um, potential that our brand has, and especially here in Asia. So it's absolutely the most exciting place to work right now. Got loads of questions about the work you're doing at Man Your Life, which I'll come back to in a second. Uh, the So back to the, the, the project stuff, at what stage did you really realize that kind of from a culture perspective you had the opportunity to set your own Bianca you know and I'm assuming uh, like like everybody else you had a bunch of role models people that you'd work with or alongside who you then started to say right well you know here's what I'll do to help build my culture well I mean I think I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of great leaders and very different people as individuals you know um, my first leader at Manulife, uh, he's very young and very new and very senior. And it was almost like, you know, they'd thrown this bomb into this organization to kind of wake it up and really disrupt them and, and show them the art of the possible. So he made me believe that actually, you know, you just have to have the strength and the bravery to go out there and do it. Um, and then, you know, most recently, um, uh, as you know, my very beloved friend and mentor, his name is Yoshi Wesling. He's a giant of a man in insurance. Um, and he was the uh, CEO of our emerging markets here. And he recently passed away. And that's very sad, but he taught me so much in the short time that we worked together. Uh, he was able to read people so well and he was completely transparent, right? And in his transparency, sometimes too transparent, <laughs> But he had the love and the trust 
of everybody that worked with him because of that. You know, he had a team of CEOs and people working around him and even those that didn't necessarily always agree with him, still loved him. He was able to build relationships within a complex organisation that would actually help him build his vision to service our customers better and build a strong team of people that could do that within Manulife. And he got up to win every single day. And I really related to that, like wanting to make every single day count. So I think I had some quite good role models there Mm. that helped me believe that, okay, if you want it to happen, you can go out there and make it happen but you have to believe in yourself. Yeah, and I had the great fortune to meet um, Yoshi and, and I only met him once and he left mm. a lasting impression on me. So I was, <laughs> I was really devastated to hear about his, his passing. And, and one of the things that, that struck me, and you just mentioned it there, was this desire to keep moving forward, got that energy, Bianca. And it's something, mm. you know, and, and I've had the good fortune to work with you. It's something that I, that I see in you too, is that you always want to keep moving forward. Yes, you recognize there's going to be failure every now and again, but that desire yeah. to keep moving forward and to want to win. And I don't mean win at all costs. I think there's a, often there's a negative connotation uh, with regards to winning. And, and winning just means we're all in this together. We're tra- all trying to hit this together. What are we going to do to work together to get, to get there? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And look, you know, winning to me is not just about, it's not about winning for me. It's not about winning for the team. It's about, you know, how do we win for our customers? What do we get up in the morning to do every day? And that is to provide a very important service to our customers. And, you know, at this point, and and we won't talk about (laughs) what's going on in the world, but I think it's really resonated with my team how important it is what they do in such an uncertain world right now. You know, insurance is an important thing in life. Uh, So we get up to win for our customers. Digital, sorry, transformation. And I know digital transformation has been a part of your background. I want to talk a little bit about transformation because I think often that people misunderstand what transformation actually is, you know, and transformation is actually moving from one cultural state to another. So as a, as a chief operating officer, chief transformation officer, what do you see as your role in supporting that transformation? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think when, uh, let me, let me give you, I guess, the Malaysia perspective, because that's the most recent journey that I've been on over the last 18 months. And, and when I started here, uh, this was a business that, that needed turning around. And we had an 80% new management team brought in to do that, led by you know a very talented um, CEO that we have. And this is a new role for me, right? I have never, I've worked in insurance a long time, but not really as an operations expert. So my background is projects, you know, and my brand is about getting things done. <laughs> <laughs> so when I joined here, Every single person in my team knew way more than I did about the processes in operations and have deep operations knowledge. And I had to work out how to leverage that knowledge to fix the problems that we could see that needed to be fixed on behalf of our customers. So you talk about transformation and in the beginning I was thinking about what it is I needed to do to transform us and uh, I went looking for consultants, right? I went through the traditional route, like who could help me with this? You know, so I met with a bunch of Six Sigma people and some Kaizen people and business process redesign groups. But I realized, because obviously I'd been working with Malaysia even in my previous roles, that if I subjected people to this process and brought in external people and we have a whole bunch of stuff 
done to us or for us, when these external people go, it will all fall apart, you know, and I've seen it happen. Someone comes in, there's some great visios and a really streamlined, better way of doing things, and then they leave and the team just doesn't buy into it, right, and all falls over. And from my perspective, that's because what was lacking was accountability, right, partially. And what was really lacking was somebody that believed in this incredible group of people that I had uh, and coached them to understand what a leader was and made them understand that they could be leaders. Because operations people are not generally schooled to think like that. You know, they're used to coming into the office, right? Come into the office. This is my job. I do this process every day. If there's a problem, an inefficiency, even an opportunity, well, it's hard because I have to go out and talk to people and I don't really know how to solve this problem. So no one had ever been equipped with the tools to be able to do some of this stuff. And that's not their fault, right? So putting in place some processes wasn't necessarily going to to fix that. And what we needed to do was to give people that mindset of coming to work to win. And as you said earlier, by win, it's win for the customer, win for our business and win for themselves. So we needed to find out what that win looked like for people. That's awesome. awesome. And, And it's really refreshing. Sorry to jump in. It's so what you did, you know, which is something I talk a lot about is actually put the accountability on the team to define the culture that they needed in order to be able to win. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I decided going externally wasn't going to help here. And I was super lucky that we have um, an individual in Manu Life. His name is Alex Tan and he's a fantastic coach, right? And that's, this is not why he came to Manu Life, but we started talking and I realized he had all of these capabilities. Um, and very unique, but centered around a lean Kaizen uh, type experience. And, and we decided to go down this journey together, but it wasn't about lean Kaizen as a process, and I'm not going to talk too much about that, but it was really about how we could use that to build up our people. And so, you know, we did a series of boot camps to do exactly what you just said, Colin, to have a look at ourselves, look at our business, and design how we wanted it to be better. And in the meantime, work to understand ourselves as individuals and as people. So, you know, most of our workshops and training have absolutely nothing to do with a method and an approach. It's about understanding each other, understanding what drives each other, what it is people go through. Because, you know, you would experience this. It's actually quite rare how little time you spend sitting down, getting to know somebody and their stories, right? And, uh, you know, at one point it was uh, one of our uh, colleagues unfortunately passed away. And um, when I spent some time with her family, I found out so much about her that I had never known before. And I realized, wow, it's really incredible how much of our full selves potentially we're not bringing to work. But once you have a better sense of somebody's soul and you have people at work that kind of understand each other, it's easy to find those things that makes you want to help each other more and makes you understand each other better. It's a big failing that, that organizations have all of the time. They, they, they talk about things like collaboration, they talk about communication, but they never create connection. Bianca, you know, every time I run, every time I facilitate, you know, a, a you know, culture definition session is the first thing that we do is just mm. about who am I, what am I about, a bit of the personality, and then let's just build some connection, let's share some stories. Because without that, mm. it's very, very hard for you to define what it is that you kind of all need to be able to, to I guess, be your best self and do your best work, right? Yeah, absolutely. People need to understand the potential that they have, you know. Like uh, there are a few things here that 
drive things a little bit differently to what you might see in an Australian environment, right? So, you know, firstly, Malaysia is very culturally different. Um, we have three groups of people, uh, uh, Bumiputra, Chinese and Indian. So there's a, a fascinating cultural history that we have here in Malaysia. Actually, today is Buddha's birthday. And on Monday, we celebrate um, uh, the day when the words of the Quran were first revealed to the Prophet Muhammad. So, you know, we celebrate a lot of different things and we have a lot of integrated cultures. But then there's a power distance that's very different to a lot of Western uh, workplaces. So it's very hierarchical driven. You're used to a boss worker type relationship rather than having teams and partners. So people can be very intimidated by the boss, you know, and I really try hard to break down the walls where people see me as the boss. But even recently, there was one workshop where um, I was, uh, I had to pick a teammate to work with and she was nearly crying. <laughs> and, and I said, why are you crying? She said, I'm so happy that you chose me, but I'm so scared that you chose me. I said, you and I are the same, like we're the same, you know. And actually, you're more important than I have because we can't live without you. We can't live without me, you know. Um, so that's been really critical in getting people to understand and try and break down that, that hierarchy. Um, but, you know, at the end of all of this, we spend a lot of time getting to know each other, but we end up with some hard outcomes. You know, we have metrics that we measure every day to make sure that we're responding to our customers and our business partners. Uh, and these metrics show that we're able to do more and faster, you know. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest challenges you have as a leader, certainly in, in Asia, Bianca, is bringing those social cultures together. And this is where you can't have a kind of default communication style. And something mm. I know for a fact that you've mastered is this ability to not only read someone's personality, but also to recognize their social culture as well. So when they need more or less uh, kind of input from you, uh, depending on from, you know, kind of where they are in the world. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's just been a very rich experience for me in having very good relationships with a, a great set of people, you know. We've been able to develop a team that uh, has a set of initiatives to not just to drive continuous improvement to make us better, but, you know, they own their outcomes now and there's more excitement generally and they understand that being a leader, you don't have to be a leader, like formal words, a leader. Like I want to create leaders of everyone, whether you have a team or not, you can still be a leader. Um, and we have a lot more of a lot more excitement now, like coming to work is exciting. You know, we have our cheers in the morning where we get really excited about the things that worked yesterday. We give each other a big boost um, where something has gone wrong and we need to fix some things and we recognize our failures and, and try and find ways to really help each other. And so then how do you, as, as, as you know, very much a leader, how do you keep yourself relevant then? For me, what, what I can see here is that you've continually stretched yourself so what do you do to keep yourself ahead of I guess culturally what are the latest developments you talked about some of the methods some of the process stuff but also for you as an individual what, what are some things that you do to keep yourself relevant mm, okay so I mean one of the great things about this process is that actually it hasn't been our team that does it has done it on its own we've started this process and then uh we started a similar process with Hans, uh, our COO in Indonesia, and Ton, our COO in the Philippines. And so we learn from each other practically and we celebrate together and we fail together and we've spent some time in each other's countries as leadership teams, watching how people are doing things and providing feedback to kind of help optimise and get better outcomes. And 
you know, that's been really valuable for us because we support each other and we learn from each other. And to me, that's been one of the biggest things that, you know, this is about collaboration, not competition. And uh, we can really work quite well to, to make each other better and develop this Manulife culture. So that's been probably one of the key things. But then, you know, I get inspired by different things, Colin. <laughs> Yesterday, I was I was watching Money Heist and there was this scene in Money Heist where they're trying to break into this vault. Um, and she's like, what are you? And really like, you're like, we're the effing best. She's like, what are you? Like, we're the effing best. And I said that to my team. It's like, wow, guys, look at this. The Spanish can really inspire us in a tough situation. They got to work to win that day. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can you can find it anywhere, you know. Um, we were looking at, um, I was also watching, obviously at the moment, watching more television than I should. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Last Dance about the Chicago Bulls and um, I think that that was just, that's, I mean, I didn't know that much about basketball. It's been a really incredible watch for me. But I look at some of the rituals that they have and at one point they're doing yoga and, you know, we do laughter yoga together as a team. Uh, periodically because I don't know if you've ever done that before. It's a really crazy thing that puts you on this adrenaline high and really helped our team come together and bond more just by releasing all of this excess energy and kind of showing a vulnerable part of ourselves by laughing together. But, you know, more practically, we've visited DHL. Uh, DHL are a fantastic organisation that already have like 98, 99% employee engagement. Like, can you imagine trying to move the needle? <laughs> wow, that level? that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it was uh, just a fascinating experience to see how they run things. And senior leadership is not too good for anything you know mm. you get this sense that oh you do this transformation and then it's done and then we build a training program and we outsource that to HR or to learning development or whatever and then they run it for us no no they're in there in it every day and it's part of what they have to do to be successful by having their leaders directly involved with every single person on the ground every day and I think that was fantastic reinforcement for us that's so great so you're doing cultural field trips you're doing laughter yoga you're doing celebrations. You did I are... mention your book? <laughs> you, you didn't. You can. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I read your book. Of course I read your book. Uh, but it's disappeared, I have to admit, because it, it got passed around the team. I don't know. <laughs> I'll just send you another one. It's totally fine. Um, so that, I mean, which is all fantastic. And, and did I read, I'm pretty sure that I read that you got an award at, at Manulife Malaysia for like best company to work for. Is that right? Did I see that? Yeah. So we won one of the best companies to work for last year in Malaysia. So that's really good awesome. uh, uh, recognition as well for the work that's being done here. And we have a great team, you know, and not just in operations, like throughout all of many life, like it's a very good team of people that have really driven our business in a very short space of time to, to really great heights. So um, yeah, we're on the right trajectory. Well, Bianca, it has been just fabulous talking to you. Thank you so much for being on the Culture Makers podcast. There's so many great takeaways for, for, for people <laughs> there. Uh, so I want to say a big thank you uh, to you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always fun talking to you, Colin. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Please remember to subscribe or share the link on your social media platform of choice, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you hang out. You can also forward it onto your colleagues and friends and help them to inspire and motivate others too. 
Better still, why not keep the conversation going and join our community of culture makers from around the world who share information on the things that have worked and haven't worked. You can do that at www.culturefixcommunity.com and remember, sharing is caring. See you next time.